step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford here with you. Glenn Blackwell is back from Texas. We've got producer Calvin behind the glass. we got a full slew of interns in studio with us as well. And a great show coming up as we're going all things Winter Classic for the majority of the show. And we're going to have the producers of the Road to the NHL Winter Classic. Mike and Ross Greenberg joining us here in studio shortly. So involved with... NHL Studios and producing so much behind-the-scenes content and a lot of shows and movies you've probably heard of before. So we'll get into that in the middle two segments. But, Glenn, let's go ahead and start off with, you know, did you have a good holiday? I did, Justin. <laughs> did you? I did. I did. It was it was fantastic. And it's this is one of those things that I really enjoy about the NHL mm-hmm. is that they go on a shutdown for mm-hmm. the holidays. They go on a three-day shutdown, which allows players to, one, relax a little bit because the grind is so long in the NHL season, but also allows time for family and friends to come in, even if for just a day or two, they yeah. get to come in and spend some time with family and to eat and relax and enjoy, yep. and then, boom, right back to the grind. I think I mean, it's so important yeah. to prioritize that because, yeah, they're sometimes they seem like they're not even human by mm-hmm. what they're doing out there on the ice, but to remember that they are people and they have families and they need that recharge Oh yeah, because they're about to go into a new year as well. And if you are a fan of the team, don't you want the players recharged and rested? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well and, fed. And, they, and for the Predators, they go right into a back to a back to back home and home yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the Pittsburgh so they Penguins. Definitely need a break. <laughs> so they definitely need that right before they get to the winter classic in Dallas. So going right into it and launching into it with this break. But that's what I, one of the things I do enjoy with the NHL is that they have a break. And I know it was, one of those things Pecorino spoke about what he was going to do for the holidays uh, with Jonathan, Jonathan Bruce, who he set up a meet and greet with him. He's battling uh, a rare form of carcinoma right now, and he's a local kid. He played goalie. He played in line, but he got a meet and greet with Pecorino uh, Monday before the Arizona Coyotes game, and he's asking, he was asking him about what are his plans for the holiday, and he said, well, Yusuf Saros and his girlfriend are going to come over, Mika Salamaki's coming down from Milwaukee with his girl, and we're just going to have some good Finnish food, some Finnish ham, and this Finnish dish that is based on rutabagas and everybody's like what mm-hmm. of course finland <laughs> would have something based on rutabagas <laughs> of course i also want to know what the difference with finnish ham i want to have finnish ham now well, there's all different kinds of ways i mean I'd, i had filipino so ham so and it's very oh, sweet yeah, on the glaze sweet. and everything yeah. based with pineapple yeah. and everything too so i'm gonna google that on the break oh yeah you're gonna have to do that. but pekka is such a great person when it comes to that break and everything and then during morning skate we're actually sitting next to part of ryan ellis's extended family <laughs> So it's his niece that was there, who's a, still a toddler. Uh-huh. They're like, there's Uncle Ryan. There's Uncle Ryan. Point of it. He's the one with the beard. Oh. <laughs> Never, never mind you who Uncle Ryan him. was. Yeah, you can't miss Ryan Ellis uh, with his beard. But yeah, enjoy the break. But before the break, the Predators, a pretty good roll uh, going in because you see the very successful road trip and those back-to-backs against the two New York teams, still getting a point against Ottawa in that trap game and then winning in overtime against Boston. 
which they're able to hold on and get that there because we you know Boston wasn't the best in post-regulation time, overtime or shootout, uh, seeing that there. And then Arizona, a, a big win there at home going into the break. So getting a lot of points in those games, nine out of a possible ten points going into the short break, is a really good way to kind of help close out this month and have the momentum after what was such a terrible November. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I mean it, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and we, we had talked about it. It was almost necessary for them to have a road trip like that. Because if they don't, and then they go on this small break, there's not going to be that same momentum to try to pick up and go off to the Winter Classic and start a new year. It's just not going to be there. So, I mean, I think that it was crucial. They did a great job of being able to bounce back when they needed to bounce back. And granted, you know, there are teams that they they played against that, you know, maybe they should have played a little bit better in some of the periods, but they found a way to push back and at least got a point out of that Ottawa game. So it just, you have to be proud of the effort, especially after, I mean, this was coming on the heels of a pretty rough run over the last, you know, few weeks before. And so. it really did kind of start with the, the Blues, mm-hmm. sweeping the Blues and that home and home there as well. They had that rough game against Dallas, which was that Winter Classic preview. Yeah. Man, we're all kind of going, oh. Oh boy, that was <laughs> that what we got what? at home on a Saturday. Oh, yeah, that was. Ugh. But that was then cool. they respond, and that's what you want out of the team is to, for them to respond out of a game like that and respond. They did beating some good teams in the process. No matter what Boston has been doing in the previous ten games, for say where they've been struggling, they're still a very good hockey mm-hmm. team. Arizona is the leader of the Pacific Division. So I saw somebody joking, yeah, but it's just Arizona. I'm like, have you checked the standings, bro? They're thinking about Arizona (laughs) previous seasons. They're not thinking about Arizona. Pre-Anthony Duclair, pre-Phil Kessel, pre-Taylor Hall. I was about to say, (laughs) yeah. Arizona Coyotes. That's very new. (laughs) But the Pacific is is really a tight race right now. And then you think of it now, looking at the standings, what is important to see is, one, games in hand. So the National Predators are currently at 42 points. And they have played 36 games so far this season. Looking directly above them, you have the Calgary Flames at 39 games played this season and 43 points. So, if I know it's really early. We're not even at the halfway point of the season. But you're thinking in three games the Predators have to play to play catch-up to get into that wild card number two spot. They just have to get a point <laughs> to do that. Then you have the Dallas Stars at two games in hand the Predators have on them. And the Stars are at 44 points. Winnipeg is at 44 points. And ha- Nashville has a game in hand on them. So they're right in the mix. Are they in playoff position right now? No, they're not. And am I trying to be a little positive for you all? Absolutely, because the momentum this team has right now mm-hmm. is what you want them to have going into the Winter Classic, a really big game the national stage, a back-to-back against Pittsburgh, who is always a dangerous team. But the Predators have played some of the, the fewest games mm-hmm. in the entire league. So if you play those other three games, get them caught up to a lot of other teams, the 39-game mark, who knows where they would be. If they just had yeah. two or three points out of those six, they'd be in a playoff spot. So and if you look at it that way, it's perspective. Yeah. We're still talking about the same team. This is the Nashville Predators. You know what this team is capable of. We've seen it. We watched it all through October. Yes, they had a rough November, but as we always say – no team is ever going to have a full, perfect 82-game season in the regular season. That's not going to happen. I know. I know. This is news. But what we do know is that the talent's still there. The drive looks to be still be there. They've got the momentum now. It's, it's possible. You know, yes, right. they're not right there now, but they can be. And so what's I don't next think is you need to freak out yet. If goaltending can keep up. 
That's been yeah. one of the struggles, and we've talked about it before, and you know, no one likes to hear it, but goaltending has been a little bit of a struggle, but you're seeing how they have more of a 1A, 1B mm-hmm. situation going, which for Yusuf Soros is great to have that consistency because he did have a rough start this season. He had a rough start last season, but once he gets more games played, he looks a lot better, and he's looking better. Pecorine, you still he's still having some big saves, but there's still a couple of goals where you know he wants them back, mm-hmm. but he's getting more rest. So if they find the right balance between these two goaltenders, I think they can be successful enough to make that kind of, that run that they need because when it comes down to it, just score more goals than the other team. <laughs> That's the team Despite that wins. what your goalie's doing. <laughs> just score more goals. They have more offensive talent than they've ever had on this squad. Do your defense really. right and don't even let it get to the goal. Right. They're supposed to be the last line anyway. So, so. speaking of defense, uh, let's do a word association here. Ooh, this sounds fun. So I'm going to say the name of a player and give me the, the word that comes to your mind. Roman Yossi. Oh, wow. Um, we're, Daniel, we're talking about Danielle Alfredo. No. <laughs> <laughs> shrimp alfredo yeah the- <laughs> i say the word that comes to mind norris because he has yeah. wedged himself right into that conversation oh my goodness but that's the word that comes to mind for me roman yossi it has been on a ridiculous tear putting this team on his back not not literally but almost mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what he's been able to accomplish he's second in scoring for defensemen 35 points in 36 games just behind John Carlson, who has been a, on a ridiculous tear, 48 points in 38 games, and don't know if that's going to come down just given the team that he's playing for right now. But Roman Yossi and what he's been able to do is make other players look silly mm-hmm. out there. And uh, having multi, multiple point nights, mm-hmm. having the, the goals that he scored, where I think we talked about it last week with the, the skill stick activating, like he's playing mm-hmm. a video game out there. Yeah. The way what he's able to do with his body and position it has been absolutely ridiculous. And you think not too far behind him really is Ryan Ellis at number nine in overall defensive scoring with 28 points in 36 games. So as a pair, they're producing. Is that what you always want? Want your defenseman producing? Well, no, you want your force to produce, but mm-hmm. hey, at least somebody's producing and they're getting wins. That's yeah. what it comes down to is are you getting the two points that you need to? But Roman Yossi has been absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of times you see a player that signs a big contract, even if it's not activated yet, because it won't activate till next season, mm-hmm. have a little bit of a slow part of it. Roman Yossi continues to kick it up another notch and absolutely should be considered in the top three for Norris voting. He, ha- I mean, he has to. And I think the right only now. reason why yeah. he wouldn't be is just because one thing I've always loved about his game is that he is not he's not flashy. He's not showy. He's actually very, very calm and very, very poised out there. And I think it's very important, too, to note, like you said with Ryan Ellis, it's kind of easy for him to get overshadowed right now right. because Roman Yossi is blowing it up. Ryan Ellis also kind of goes under the radar, does the right things, solid defenseman, but people aren't really looking at his game because he, he can kind of get overshadowed. But, yeah, he has to be in the talk this year. There's no doubt about it. And finally, it's one of those final things because we know that he's been capable of this. Mm-hmm. But then you had Shea Weber <laughs> for a little bit yeah. uh, kind of overshadowing him, which by all means was necessary. And then P.K. Subban, he was a really good defense for the Predators in, in his time here with, with Nashville. And then a little overshadowed there just because of the attention that P.K. Subban draws. Mm-hmm. Even though Roman Yossi was still having good seasons, now it's finally Roman Yossi's team on the blue line for him to be able to get all that attention, the much deserved attention as well for what he's capable of doing. We've we've known it here, and most of the league obviously knows, but to get more of that media attention mm-hmm. is what needs to be showcased for Roman Yossi with what he's able to do. Um, also, that plus he's just he's actually a really good dude. I mean, when he it is. comes to community work, he is so great in the community as well. So He's got a huge you, heart. You want to see players get rewarded, like a Pecorine. Seeing him get rewarded with a Vezina, finally to get rewarded for his hard work. You like to see players like that get rewarded, as long as they deserve it, of course. Well, yeah. And yeah. these guys and deserve going it. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. So, the Glenn, it's, it's been a little warm here uh-huh. over the holidays. 
I'm and, actually a little sweaty. Yeah, a little, little sweaty, a little warm. But you know what? If you're trying to plan for the summertime, mm-hmm. there's a really awesome thing you can do, and that's plan a cruise with a bunch of hockey fans. That is amazing. So July 12th to 19th. Oh, my God. Calvin's back. July 12th to 19th. Sail with Predators fans and hockey fans on a hockey fan cruise out of Galveston, Texas, going to Cozumel, Mexico, Costa Maya, and Rotan, Honduras. And did you know that we have a skating rink on the ship? How many? We have three sessions on what? the skating rink. Three private sessions, but just That's actually nice because it's going to be so warm and hot. Oh, yeah. You want to take a break. on the ice rink. On the ice yeah. and skating, we're going to have like chuck-a-puck and all these different things and, and private events just for people on the hockey fan cruise with Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean and Ships and Trips Travel. So we're going to be sailing out of Galveston, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and we want you to join us because we're going to have private cocktail hours, trivia times, Q&A sessions, chuck-a-pucks, all these different things. Then you get to go and do your own thing on all like, these when different... else are you going to be able to say you yeah. ice skated in the middle of the ocean i mean not many other times and hopefully you're on a ship when you're doing that hopefully so <laughs> but you can don't find try out this at home <laughs> more, more information you found at hockeyfancruise.com that's hockeyfancruise.com with penalty box radio ships and trips travel and royal caribbean sailing out of galveston texas july 12th through 19th okay up next for the next two segments we're going to talk all things winter classic with mike and ross greenberg producers of the road to the nhl winter classic up next here on penalty box radio espn 1025 the game To Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, of interns Jonah and Danielle, and Jack behind the glass with producer Calvin, learning the ropes. Pushing we some buttons. Pushing We're going to make him into a pro back here. Oh, He'll yeah. be producing this show one day. All right. All right. Hey. Hey. hey there we go. Okay, well, really excited to have these next two guests join us now because it is great to get a behind-the-scenes look at this huge, tremendously huge NHL event that is going to put Nashville and Dallas right in the center of all things hockey uh, for one day <laughs> during the hockey season. But leading up to that is putting him at the center of attention uh, for so many times of looking behind the scenes of how these teams and these players are getting to the Winter Classic. So joining us now, producers of the road to the NHL Winter Classic, we have Mike Greenberg and Ross Greenberg on the line with us. Guys, welcome. Great to be with you guys. Absolutely. So, Let's go ahead and start off. Ross, I'll start with you because we, we have your brother here in studio. What was just the inspiration? You, you've done so many of these before, but here with the road to the, the NHL Winter Classic, just what is an inspiration for you behind this, and why do you want to tell this story? Well, interestingly, you go back 10 years almost. Uh, John Collins, who was then working for the NHL, and Gary Bettman, the commissioner, approached me when I was at HBO and asked if we wanted to do our 24-7 series uh, surrounding hockey and so kind of invented uh, doing a four show series at that time surrounding the Winter Classic because you always have to have a beginning, middle and end to a series like this but they were bold enough to say come on let's do it during the season no other league had allowed us to do that we had done hard knocks we had done um, obviously boxers heading into a big fight we had done something with Jimmy Johnson heading into Daytona but we had never done a league sport like this during the season. And lo and behold, we've been doing it 
now for, I don't know, nine, ten years, and it's been exciting. And the more we do it, the more Michael, frankly, gets behind the scenes with these teams and becomes part of the fabric of their team. And we're allowed into every room, every meeting room, every trainer's room, every locker room, and, and we really get an understanding of how these teams operate. Absolutely. And, and Mike, switching to you, I mean, you've been a part of Road to the Winter Classic and the, the Emmy-nominated all-access quest for the Stanley Cup in 2017, which the Natural Predators were a part of for that, too. What's it like for you to be kind of the boots on the ground and be here and to be experiencing all this and capturing all this material? Pressure. <laughs> Blame. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, it's great. It's great. I mean, we've built relationships over the last decade. <clears throat> and recently it's just gotten better and uh, we're allowed way more access. They trust us. So a lot is built on trust. And I kind of want to go a little bit further into the quest for the Stanley Cup and then we can get back to the Winter Classic, um, you know, because obviously so many of us got to experience that entire run here. And Preds fans in Nashville knew what this team brought to the NHL, Right but not everybody did. But you guys came sure. in and you captured the essence of what this team does for the city, and it was done in, a, in the most beautiful way. And so people finally got to see what it is that we love here in Nashville. So what was that like for you to be able to give the NHL fans and the league something that they might not have ever seen before? Well, Glenn, well, I can tell you. Well, the fun part never... of that is oh. Michael lives in Nashville, so – he would tell me over and over again what that team meant to that city. And so as we hit Quest for the Stanley Cup, you know, all of a sudden, here we were. It was his team. You know, he had lived it, and he banged it home to me, and then we just set out to put him in the field and allow him the opportunity to shoot with some of the best shooters in sports television, Steve LeMay and others, uh, what it feels like in that city. And so we went not only into the Nashville Predators locker room and trainer's room and everything, but we also kind of hit the city hard. And we kind of conveyed what those fans are all about and showed outdoors. Remember that gathering outdoors uh, before those those Stanley Cup games? It, there was nothing li- I had ever seen like it. And inside the arena, the whole buildup, you know, before the game, um, you know, all credit to Michael. He knew he knew everything that existed, and he just said, let's go shoot it. Yeah, well, Broadway was packed every game, pregame. Unbelievable. <clears throat> and um, Glenn, you with the catfish that yeah, made it into the show. Which is obviously why y'all are here. Y'all just wanted to come and meet me. I get it. Yeah. I got my 2.8 seconds of fame. So <laughs> Yeah, um, but... It was amazing. I mean, as I saw this city transform from Titan blue to that, uh, is it gold or yellow? Uh, the oh. Oh. Gold. I'm sure Henry's going to get mad at us. Okay, gold. 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 Yeah. I mean, the city just transformed to gold, and it was everywhere. The banners were everywhere. The walking bridge to Nissan Stadium was filled with Preds jerseys. I mean, everywhere you looked, it was Preds. And uh, even if you went down to Franklin, it was um, there was a jersey on the statue down there. I mean, it was all over the place. So it was, it was, I mean, I don't mind taking credit, but it was everywhere. <laughs> you just had to point the camera. I mean, yeah, it is something, though, that's going on in that city that you just don't see everywhere else. I mean, 
most of the big cities in this country, you know, I live in New York, and obviously there's two football teams, NFL teams, there's, you know, two NBA teams. But there, you know, it is, it's a, it's amazing the impact that this NHL team is having on that city. Um, I know that the NHL, you know, I spend a lot of time at the NHL, and they're just over the top. I mean, the John Delapinas and the Batmans and the Steve Mayers, you know, they just love what that city has become as it represents the NHL. And being on Broadway, I mean, the Bridgestone Arena is on Broadway, so it's it's mm-hmm. so incredible to have a downtown arena, especially when you're going into the finals of the Stanley Cup. And so kind of switching gears a little bit and going back to the Winter Classic. So aside from documenting the history of and the leading up to, the show really gives the opportunity for players to be showcased that fans among the league might have heard their names and seen it on rosters but don't really get an idea of who they are until y'all are able to go in and give them a glimpse of the player off the ice. So looking specific just to this Winter Classic since the Predators are in this one, and this could be for Dallas or Preds, but from what y'all have gotten so far, are there any players that kind of stand out with an energetic dynamic that you feel are going to bring a certain element to the fan bases that are watching? Ross? <laughs> well, my thought is, I mean, since we're in Preds land, I mean, you know, in this second show, which appears tomorrow night, people are going to see Austin Watson in a different light. I'll tell you that. Um, went to his home, and then Michael took him to an event, and I've never seen this, uh, an event at Bridgestone where they brought in kids of refugees, uh, and they gave them all kinds of Christmas presents and had them take the ice, a lot of them skating for the first time. Michael, you were there. Why don't you describe that scene and kind of the different side of Matt, of Watson that no one's ever seen before? Yeah, it was Sissons and Watson's thing. And it was amazing. I mean, these were refugee kids. These kids are coming from, oh, man, the toughest of the tough. And uh, and the, the smiles were unbelievable. Every kid had a smile ear to ear. They were just, you know, they could forget the past, live in the moment. And, um, and uh, you know, Austin and Colton just gave them this opportunity. And uh, it was really it was really great, really great to see. And again, that's uh, Mike and Ross Greenberg joining us, producers of the Road to the NHL Winter Classic. And episode two is premiering tomorrow night. So that's Friday, December 27th at 6.30 p.m. And I believe that is Eastern time. So 5.30 p.m. Central. That's a right leading into the Minnesota-Colorado game on NBCSN. And then it will also be able to be seen on NHL Network on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, and then available on ESPN Plus and NHL Social on December 29th. And and got to see parts of that. They let media see some snippets of these episodes going into it so we can help promote it because it's awesome to see it. And it's really cool because we see these banners of what the players do, their charities hanging from there, but you don't always know exactly what these events are uh, for a lot of these things. And seeing what Sissons and Watson are doing now behind the scenes explains it a little bit more and gives you more in-depth detail about what these charities that are involved in are for and how they're involved in the community. And we're going to talk more about this, the Winter Classic, and a little bit more about the projects that the Greenberg brothers have worked on in their past as well. A lot of things that you all are familiar with, folks. I'm really excited to ask them some questions about this. All that coming up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game.
And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin behind the glass, training future producer Jack. <laughs> and we are joined by, now by Mike and Ross Greenberg, producers of the Road to the NHL Winter Classic. So let's just continue this conversation. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you because I'm going to follow up that question with you to the question with Ross. And when you're shooting all these different things, how do you form a lot of these questions to try to get the best out of the players? Because you, you, built on trust is very important in trying to capture a lot of this great content, which gives fans and so many people great behind-the-scenes stuff and teams giving you access and everything. So how are you able to formulate this? What's going through your mind to say, I need to ask it in this way or certain ways like this to try to get the most out of it? Yeah, it's not easy because um, <clears throat> we're trying to tell the story. And to tell the story, you have to lead them into telling the story. They can't just answer yes or no. So creating the questions, they're more like thoughts, provoking thoughts, trying to get them to just talk about what is relevant in the storylines. And then my brother, myself, and Steve Stern, who writes our narration, um, we all get together and talk about, you know, here's the potential stories. I think we started with maybe 20 storylines at the beginning of Road to the Winter Classic this year, and then we start whittling them down to the best. And then you've got to create the uh, questions that, that lead the, uh, the player to tell the story. Absolutely. And, so, and to Ross now, when you're reviewing a lot of this and having to make those final decisions, how difficult is it sometimes to have that final creativity to where you're deciding, you know, this goes in, this doesn't, how hard is that for you? Well, I mean, it really, you kind of have to grab the stories by the throat, and Michael has to do the execution of asking all the questions to make sure that, you know, we're get, capturing it all on site. But then once we get it on the edit room, you have to kind of slice and dice it, whittle away at the stuff that doesn't really matter, that doesn't advance the story. Uh, an example of that would be Laviolette in the locker room between the second and third period in the first show of that loss you know, uh, exploding on the team pretty much. And, you know, understanding that Michael knew immediately he was seeing something pretty special uh, and then incorporating that into the storyline um, and, you know, capturing that moment, but also carrying the narrative, which Steve Stern does as a writer. So once you see something like that, you, you just have to jump on it. Obviously, we were handed you know, a story when Montgomery was blown up the day before we started shooting with the Dallas Stars as a coach, and that was pretty bizarre. But uh, then we had to seize on this Rick Bonus coming in and, you know, taking over, and Michael was obviously on site for that. And then we uh, we just capture it and then bring it into the edit room, and and the story flows from there. We were really lucky that we had a relationship with Rick Bonus. Because <clears throat> if we didn't, who knows how it would have turned out. But fortunately, we knew him for years, and he knew us and trusted us. So um, when he picked up the ball, we were able to follow it. And this goes for both of y'all, because I kind of want to hone in a little bit on what you just said, Ross. Y'all are expected to film, you know, with an unexpected firing happening, I believe, the day before um, with the coach in Dallas, Jim Montgomery. So obviously, you're not there to investigate. You're not there to report on this. But... It is a relevant part of the story because this is something that happened to this team prior to going into the Winter Classic. So how did you find that balance of making sure that that relevant part of the story was told, but yet it wasn't a distraction or it wasn't something that you were trying to focus on? 
Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, if the story had come out as to why he was fired, we would have had to put it into the program. But, you know, even to this day, no one really knows the specifics of what happened. And uh, so it wasn't really our responsibility to become investigative reporters and try and dig it up, because that would have distracted. We had a half-hour show to do, and that would have taken, you know, 45 minutes just to try to uncover something like that. And and so we could just talk about the transition, and that's what we did. And we, you know, focused on bonus, and we focused on the team kind of getting the whiplash and uh, and taking it from there. So that was the role we had to play, and we did it in that first episode, and we're continuing to carry that story now. And. I want to change up gears a little bit. So we have Mike and Ross Greenberg joining us, the producer of The Road to the NHL Winter Classic. Talk a little bit about the project you guys have previously worked on before, which excite me a little bit because it's things that I grew up with. And, Mike, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, original From the original MacGyver, yeah. produced that. And this show that has, I have so much fond memories of growing up. I know Glenn as well. Just What was it like to be a part of that project and produce something that still has staying power today because people reference it in pop culture and being able to MacGyver something? <laughs> Yeah, it made it into the dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it was amazing. We didn't realize it at the time, especially at the beginning, that it was going to become so iconic and, and, you know, strike so many chords and be part of everyone's living room and life. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's a simple, it's a simple um, concept of a guy who, because of his young, early years, there was a, an episode involving a handgun. And um, he decided that he would um, never use one. And, but then he became this um, special ops guy. And so he had to use whatever else was in his immediate environment to get out of jams and, and get the bad guy and uh, solve the story. And um, it just was one of those things that just clicked. And uh, it was great. I mean – <clears throat> we had consultants. We had real life MacGyvers. You know, a guy named John Potter who, uh, and uh, and Koivula, John Koivula. Yeah, he, um, you know, he like he would say, you know, there's a chemical in a Hershey bar that seals nuclear leaks. So we'd go, okay, we'll write to that, and uh, so we did. We sealed it, and MacGyver sealed a nuclear leak with a Hershey bar <laughs> because of this this chemical that was in Hershey mm-hmm. bars. And then six <laughs> months later, after the show aired, Hershey took it out of the Hershey bars. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it was happy accidents, and we just kept we kept doing it. You know, sixteen hours a day for eight years, and it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm more amazed by the effect that it's had than, sure. than anyone because we're so involved in it. And Ross, I'll move to you because one of my it's in my top three favorite movies of all time. One because I'm a hockey fan, uh, but mm. two just because I thought it was such a well done movie. It was Miracle, uh, and, and yeah. just that whole project. I remember I went to a special premiere when I was working in Ohio at the time, and I got these special tickets to go see it because I just knew I didn't, wasn't able to live through 1980. I wasn't alive then, but I just knew so much about it. It's a moment that has stuck in my mind as a sports and hockey fan. So what was that project like for you in helping to put that together and being a part of something that meant a lot to so many people that loved the sport and, and loved what it meant for the game and, and just for the, the, the country at that time in history? Yeah, it's pretty cool that, like Michael's experience, you know, that movie lives on too. And, um, you know, I think 
when it started, I was on a plane in 1980 when they beat the Russians, and I was going to L.A. at the time, and the the captain of the plane got on the loudspeaker and said, oh, uh, just to keep everyone up to date, he would give the score after every period, and he announced the final score, and the entire plane erupted and in applause and screamed and and I said, whoa, 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 this is not just a sporting event. This is something different. And so, you know, many years later, I was at HBO, and we had started to do four or five documentaries a year, and I picked that story as one that I wanted to dive into uh, to figure out what happened, why it was such an event, and why it kind of became such a cornerstone for American pride at a time when America was going into the tank and uh, and how these college kids had come out of nowhere to beat a professional USSR team and then go on and win the gold and do it in such a desperate time. And it signified something more than just a hockey game. So did the documentary, and then I got Herb Brooks's rights to his life story for a film and went into Disney and sold the movie in about 30 seconds and then developed the film uh, for Disney and uh, and Miracle came to be. You know, Kurt Russell became uh, the Herb Brooks that we all thought he would be and the film just clicked. Uh, Gavin O'Connor, great director, and we just had the right people around it, which Michael and I would tell you is the most important thing that any filmmaker needs to do, uh, get the best shooters, the best editors, and the best people uh, in their positions, and then let everyone do their brilliant work. And that's that's what happened with Miracle. And Al Michaels with his call. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's the one that you said know, it right then. With Al, and he re-recorded everything. One little oh, fun story on that is that at the very end of the film, you know, he says the words, do you believe in miracles? Yes. And that obviously became an iconic phrase. We tried to get him to recreate that. And we actually had in one of our last cuts, him saying it, recreating it. And we listened to it. And then Al listened to it. And we all turned to each other and said, no, can't do it. <laughs> so we, we actually, if you listen to the film closely, you'll see that you know, he has his call, and then at the very end, he we transform it back into the original mm-hmm. call because that was the only thing we could do. Wow. Man, <laughs> can we have y'all for like four more hours? Yeah, I could just sit man. and listen to this all <laughs> this <is> night. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so while you're sitting next to me, there's no other time that I would ever be able to ask you this, so I have to. Um, I, like Justin, huge MacGyver fan. My mom and my sister have a lot of memories growing up watching that. Um, I forgot my duct tape at home, but it's fine. Um, so as far as all those years that you did this, any behind the scene favorite moment that stands out to you that you want to share with me right now and everybody else is listening. MacGyver? <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> well, there was, there was, <laughs> we're in this, uh, <clears throat> this warehouse, this abandoned warehouse and Rick, had like the worst diarrhea ever oh. and uh and here he is wow. trying to do this macgyverism and having to run back to his trailer like every 30 seconds and here we'd have and you know our the ticker on our on our money clock is about seventy five hundred dollars an hour 
And so we've got 100 people waiting around for him to come back and forth to try to finish this scene. So that, that moment <laughs> stands out. <laughs> this is the content that I'm asking for, guys. <laughs> I can't. Wow. Who would have ever known that we would know this story this many years later? This is great. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. So I hope you all enjoyed that story. Uh, well, guys, <laughs> we, we do have to get to break, but we appreciate the insight from both of y'all so much. And this is such an exciting series. And just the previous work, too, on uncovering hockey and giving people such a great in-depth look on the game and the players and telling those stories and getting those stories to come out of the players. So it's, it's not an easy job. <laughs> we all know that. It's not an easy job to shoot this. It's not an easy job to, to bring stories out of players uh, with a camera being focused on them. So we appreciate all the work that you guys do to really showcase the league and the in the game and these teams and we're so excited for the future episodes of it and so they're all coming up this weekend we'll go over and remind people of that again when we come back from break but mike and ross thank you so much for joining us thank you thanks for thanks for having us absolutely folks they're the producers of the road to the nhl winter classic mike and ross greenberg you can catch the next episode episode two of the road to the nhl winter classic tomorrow that's friday at 5 30 p.m central that's leading into the minnesota colorado game and nbcsn then on nhl network on saturday at 5 p.m and then on espn plus and nhl socials on sunday the december 29th and one more episode will air after the winter classic so you get to see all the behind the scenes leading up to and that okay up next we have lots of Twitter questions to answer coming up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Danielle Jonah, producer Jack, producer Calvin. <laughs> Woo! It's always full here, but I love it because it means people are learning. People are learning. And so Jack's behind the glass learning how to produce. I love it. This is so much fun. So Look much at you. Fun. This is one of the coolest things I've done <laughs> in a long time. He's producing so Proud hard. Jack. I see but, it in your eyes. But his eyes right now, he's not blinking because he's learning. He's like, if I blink, <laughs> I might miss something. <laughs> We we have come a long way from not being able to take that phone call when you called in at DePaul that one time. Oh, that was awful. He put me on. He put hold music on me for like fifteen minutes. Hold on, I'm going to run down the hall and find someone. <laughs> and at that point, at that point, the time is up. You know. That's All right. Funny. So we have we have plenty of questions. Plenty are winter classic related, so let's go ahead and kick one off. This is from Kron five two nine, and I'm going to go to Jonah first because he's had to work on this to try to find the answer to this question. What's on the playlist for the drive to Dallas? And I told Jonah that he had to pick three songs and three songs only. So Jonah, what would be your three songs that'd be on your playlist for the Road to the Winter Classic? Oh boy, let me tell you, the three songs, if I can only choose three, would have to be. Space Oddity by David Bowie. It's an absolute bop and a true gem. <laughs> a bop. Also, and then That Power by Childish Gambino. Okay. Wow. Just one and of the then, next. Okay. The last one would have to be, are you ready for this? Yes. Ohio by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Man, he's all over the board. That's, that's, cool. that's variety. Yes. That's variety. That's great. I can add two more. But no, no, you can't because I said only three. Only you three. Only Danielle, three. what you got? So I have two songs. I have Hot by Young Thug, which a lot of young 
I knew I was going to get roasted Calvin, for that. Cal- Cal- Calvin, Calvin, Calvin knows it. I think Calvin's queuing it up. Calvin's <laughs> on it for me. Thank you for the support. He's probably got it on stage. I appreciate oh it. But then I would go with Gold on the Ceiling just because it's such a pred song sure. on the plane. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets you going like that. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Producer Jack. Back there. What you got? Oh, okay. So... Obviously, I play NHL 19 a lot, and it has some great songs. So I'm picking two from that soundtrack. It's When the Curtain Falls by Greta Van Fleet, Psycho Star by King Tough, and then because I'm an old soul, I like to listen to old jazz music. Okay. So I'm going to go with Jeep's Blues by Duke Ellington. Mm. Oh, wow. That hits home. I love love how it's our kids that have so much variety, too. (laughs) This is great. Daniel, Daniel feeling it. Oh my goodness. That's good. Calvin, I appreciate you more than you know for that. <laughs> Glenn, what you got? So my three, I would pick um, to listen to Run This Town because it's very Preds, you get you going. And then Gold on the Ceiling also is another that I would pick. And then my third actually would be this new song written by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber for the new Cats movie called Beautiful Ghosts because it is a beautiful song. <laughs> And you know what? So I can't I can't handle three loud songs in a row, so I'd have to tone it down a little bit with Beautiful Ghosts. On a five-star rating, what would you give the movie? Five stars on the movie, I would give three, three or three and a half. So Glenn's I'm torn the outlier. On three and, I'm torn on three and three and a half. Glenn's the but outlier the of, the, song, of Rotten Tomatoes. For the song alone, I'd give five stars. Okay. I don't have any method or reason behind one of my choices just because I love the song, and it's September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I oh, love that song. And the guy Absolutely. that wrote that just died today, I think. Yeah. yeah. I just think. love that song. That's yeah. my favorite song. So other than that, I, I'm... I'm good. That's a good tribute I'm good. to him. That's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And because and I just it's a good lo- song. And you sing along with it, and you never can match that pitch because it's just so high. Yeah, it's a good one. So you just it's, sound That gets bad. me dancing in my chair. See? It's a solid See? choice. It's a, it's a great choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next question. This one comes from Smashville913. Is this the best version of Yossi we have ever seen? Glenn, what do you think? I think that it is, but I also think that, like we talked about earlier in the show, I think for many years he... He was talented, and he's always had that, but he was overshadowed, and I think that it's really now just his time to shine. I think definitely more people are looking at him, but also his game has constantly improved. So I I do think that this is the best that we've seen so far. Yeah, and, and he's continuing to step it up, and what you want to see now is that consistency. Does it mean he has to score or produce a point every game? No, but he probably will. It's fine if he does. <laughs> it's fine if he Nobody's does. Nobody's going to complain. He, you can tell he is putting the team on his shoulders right now and saying, let go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are. Yeah. Uh, follow my lead. <laughs> yeah. Follow me. And it's because, too, what we've seen is the goaltending has struggled a little bit. And so Roman Yossi is getting, it seems like, even more actively involved in the offense and just driving to the net. And he is showcasing himself so well this season. And it's because of the, we, I talked about it on Twitter as well, the backhanded goal, and we talked about it off air with Mike Greenberg as well, the backhanded goal he had against Boston. What I love about that thing was two things of patience. Ryan Johansson being patient enough to work around a couple defenders and then get the puck to Roman Yossi. Then Roman Yossi, as he's driving in towards the net and skimming across mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the center area, 
patiently waiting for a lane to open up to get the backhand because with the way that the curvature of the stick and then he snipes it somehow backhand, a backhanded yeah. snipe. That's not usually that how it works. Yeah. It's not usually what yeah. you see. And you have Victor Arvidsson <laughs> shrieking in as well to maybe create some sort of blockage mm-hmm. <laughs> in front. But the patience that Roman Yossi had there was great. It wasn't just, I'm going to fling it towards the net. Yeah. No, he patiently waited for the right lane to open up. And that's what I saw about next level is that patience that he is an elite player like that. Yeah, and so, that's the calm demeanor I was talking about earlier. He's just got that that calm presence on the ice that he's he knows. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. We're going to go to the next question because I want to get the other folks involved here. This one actually comes from Danielle. And I want Danielle to be able to first answer her own question here because it is a legit question as well. And you've been covering a lot of this league too. So this is looking at the standings now, which Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference school do you see taking the 2020 tournament? I definitely see Arkansas taking it. They're playing around 40 games this season, which for an ACHA team, you do <laughs> not see that a lot. But they've won. They're 24-2-0 right now. And they lost their D1 D1 program this year. So all of their D1 players have dropped down to that D3 team. A bunch of them, yeah. Oh, yeah. And their talent, just watching them play down in Huntsville and just watching their offensive structure, they're so dominant compared to the rest of the SEC right now. And Georgia Tech, Florida Atlantic, great teams. I mean, Georgia Tech's 10-6, and Florida Atlantic, they're up there too. But Arkansas is a D1 CHA team right now. They're just dropping down to D3. All right, I'm going to go to Jack. Hope he's ready for this one. So, in terms of players that you might have to cut your losses with, there are a bunch of players that are up now for contract renewals at the end of this season. One being Craig Smith, another being Mikael Glanland. Are you going to cut ties with either of those players? Which one would you choose to resign? I'm basing this off of a question from Bradley Moyer, but kind of framing it in a different way that I want Jack to answer. Uh, well, in terms of... <laughs> Yeah. No, you did not send me the email with the question, so I have not prepped at all. But if I'm going off of the Being a good producer now. Yes, I am. Totally not. (laughs) If I am being completely honest, I love the way that Mikael Glenland's played all season. But I'm going to go with Craig Smith. That's who you would resign. That's you would who still I would resign, resign him because He's, Craig Smith is the hometown boy. He's the he is a fan favorite. He's a guy that I want to go see if I'm going to go to a Preds game and if I'm a Preds fan coming in from out of town and if I've covered this team or followed this team for the past ten years, that's a player that I want to see. And Mikael Glenland is great, but they have yet to reunite reunite the Duchesne Forsberg Glenland line. Excuse me. And, Appreciate your effort. <laughs> and if. He, he knows we know that he can score in streaks, but we know that he can score. And Glenlin is I won't say a li- scoring liability, but he has not produced He's not fitting in. He's not fitting in. Yeah, no, it makes sense. We have very limited time, so Jonah, I'm gonna go to you to answer one more question. Okay. What type of Whataburger would you order at Whataburger? Are we really doing this? For one question more. <laughs> You have 15 seconds. Yes, I would like to say ketchup, mustard, pickle. So plain Whataburger with ketchup, mustard, and pickle. And cheese, of course. And a tropical Sprite to drink. <laughs> a tropical Extra sprite. mustard in addition to in what there. it's cooked in? Regular mustard. In addition okay. to what it's cooked in. If you in. really like mustard. But if you're not a big mustard person, go ketchup. So, so I'll, I'll ask this as well. Have you had the chicken biscuit there, though, in the morning? From Whataburger. I have not had the chicken biscuit from Whataburger. It is I, delicious. I would, I've only had Whataburger. I feel like I would enjoy it. You would. You would. So there you go. Coming up at the Winter Classic. Folks, we're going to have live coverage coming to you from the Winter Classic. I'll be down there. You know, 1025 of the game's going to be down there. Jeremy K. Gover from the Predators Radio Network's going to be down there. So lots of coverage coming to you from Dallas. So from Preds practice, from the media skate under the lights, from the 
Penalty Box Radio, New Year's Eve party, and then game day from the Cotton Bowl. Lots and lots of coverage for you from Penalty Box Radio coming up on the Winter Classic. So you can find that information at PenaltyBoxRadio.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you need to follow us, you can do that. So, big thank you to producer Calvin Behind the Glass for doing some teaching with young Jack Woods. Interns Danielle and Jonah and for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bedford. Thank you so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio. Have a very happy New Year. Safe travels to Dallas. And we'll see you next time here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 the game. Oh.